The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. That they don't see that. <laughs> Well, here's the interesting thing. The young socialists are like Medicare for all. And the moderates are like, yeah, but this system is kind of weak. And the Republicans are like, and we're cutting the fuck out of it. And the progressives are like, no, dump people on it. And the moderates are like, you can't take it. And Republicans are like, nope, we want them to die. And the socialists are like, hey, put everybody. And, and then the people, are on Medicare, the, the people that are on Medicare are like, yo, bro, 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 bro. No, 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 no. You don't want this. Please. No, 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 no. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. Here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. May God bless America. Hi, Jeffrey. What's up? I wish I knew. Wish I knew. Having a good day? Oh, you know, only been up for a little bit. Okay. Played with the dog a little, got her fed, and got myself some food and some coffee. I love Billy, it. Billy says hi. Hi, Billy. I was just thinking, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, how jealous I am of you, because I'm already underwater, but you still get to talk with your coffee. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, it's it, it, it has its benefits, but, you know, you're also three hours ahead of me. So. That's true. That's true. But I still feel like miles behind. <laughs> eh, i wouldn't say that that's why i love talking to you uh you got your shot right you got your second shot mm -hmm. how you I feeling did. so <clears throat> full disclosure because mm -hmm. information is power yeah so to precursor how i felt back in september of 2019 through december of 2019 i was really sick mm. um after about six weeks of battling what I thought was just a chest cold, I was feeling something in my chest that just wasn't right. And I honestly thought I was having a heart attack. You know, mm. 
33, 34 years, 34 years old. And I'm like, there's something wrong here. This isn't good. Right. So I go and um, I go to see the doctor and they're like, well, it is like pneumonia or bronchitis, but we're not seeing anything. So the treatment for it is the same. We're going to give you the same stuff. Take your inhaler and take your, uh, take your Z pack. We'll give you a double dose just because it, it sounds like it's stuck in there pretty good. So mm, mm. two Z packs didn't do anything. Zero. Now I, I've had pneumonia before and I've had bronchitis before and I've taken Z packs and they clear things up pretty fast, but this didn't work. And the only relief that I really got was uh, from taking my inhaler. And I got a little bit of relief from that. And then I also have a CPAP. <clears throat> so uh, when I would lay down at night, um, that also really helped me out. So flash forward to, I got my shot on Wednesday. A couple hours after I got my shot, felt like I got punched in the arm. No biggie. When I woke up the next morning, I was having trouble breathing. Not like, oh my God, this is like panic inducing, but like as somebody oh. who has asthma, it's like that precursor to, you know, pay attention, take your inhaler, you know, take it easy. Right. But then it started settling into that spot in my chest. I was like, I know what this is. Uh, oh. I So my suspicion was always that I had COVID before we knew what COVID was. Right. And what I felt after getting that second shot was ex almost exactly the same, just not as severe as when I was ha ended up taking myself to the doctor. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that I had COVID before we knew what COVID was. And so all of Thursday, uh, I felt like trash, um, had difficulties breathing, but not, not, not severe difficulties breathing. Um, on Friday, I went back to work. And, you know, still felt like I got punched in the arm, mm -hmm. and I, but I felt, but by the end of Thursday, my lungs had felt better. So I was like, okay, this is such a big deal. It's going away after the 48 hours, like they said. So I, so I went back to work, you know, uh, so after, you know, 36 hours, I went back to work, work from home. So not a big deal. And <clears throat> I felt fine for most of the day until right about mid afternoon. Mm when I started just kind of feeling a little bit run down and then I started feeling it in my chest again. And I was like, mm, I might've pushed it a little too soon. So, um, definitely was feeling a little bit Friday night. And then, it, you know, as soon as I was just, you know, resting and relaxing, it started going away again. I felt fine yesterday and I feel fine today. Uh, soreness, nice. soreness in my arm was gone, um, by Friday, by Friday evening. And, I haven't dealt with the lung stuff since then. Okay. So, you know, one of the things people need to make sure is, is that no matter what vaccine that they get, you know, make sure that you, you get some time yeah, uh, to recover from it because I, you know, Debbie was down for about 18 hours with symptoms, nothing after that, completely right. fine. Uh, Emily never had anything. Not, she didn't even feel like she got punched in the arm on the second shot. Wow. So, you know, results, you know, uh, symptom results may vary. Uh, side effect results may vary. Um, I probably, you know, Debbie's joint pain was very severe, but Ooh. given that Debbie has EDS, that definitely is a thing. Debbie also right. had uh, some kidney pain, you know, and, and so when you're looking at the shot, there's a couple of schools of thought on this. One is, is that they're using this to figure out who had COVID. So when you have, if you're having certain symptoms like spiking the fever, difficulty breathing, things like that. Right, right. They're seeing that as people who probably had COVID and either A, they knew about it or B, they didn't. And, you know, I was pretty sure that I had it after we knew what the symptoms of COVID were. Hmm. Okay. But I'm, but my curiosity is also, is if I wonder, I wonder if I got a variant of COVID before the variant of COVID that we really know as this lethal one that's been circulating around. And now we're on to the South African UK variant. Right. So, I mean, it was miserable, but you know, there was also a spike in pneumonia cases around that period of time. 
which makes sense. WHO said that by December of 2019, there are already a dozen variants running around China. So, right. So it would not surprise me if sometime between, you know, say beginning, end of August, beginning of September, you get people that come over to the country. It's prime vacation time still. Mm-hmm. Or people coming back from China. Um, it doesn't really matter what. But it wouldn't surprise me if someone had brought it over and it started circulating. And of course, you know, that's that's prime time. Like, you know, kids are going back to school. The cold is running around. If sure. you're like me and you're, you're already, you know, compromised because you're an asthmatic, mm-hmm. you know, you just expect to end up getting something for a little bit. That's why I get my flu shot. You know, I, I don't get the flu shot because, you know, it's, uh, it's particularly effective most of the time. You need enough people taking it in order, you know, for herd immunity. But, right. but number two, I take it because if I do get the flu, it's usually a lot less severe and I'm not so bad off. So, and that's, then that's just something as as somebody with some, you know, compromised lungs that I just have to keep in mind every year. Yeah. Plus you're in a port town and Mm -hmm. you were, you and New York were the two places that were immediately affected, you know, by COVID like you were on the front lines in the beginning, Washington state was. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's weird to me that people are like, don't trust the government, but yeah, COVID was here in in December. Like, like they didn't try and cover it up for a few months. Yeah, maybe they did. Maybe they thought they could beat it. Maybe they didn't know it existed yet. But yeah, I could see that. And for me, it was about it was about thirty six hours actually that I was just I was dizzy. I couldn't stand up for more than ten minutes. I, mm. I, but I also didn't eat because I was feeling like shit, which meant I didn't drink much water and I couldn't take like ibuprofen or anything because you, I don't want to take it on an empty stomach. So it just kind of perpetuated. But once I started chugging water and got some ibuprofen in me, I started feeling better. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's, so part of it is just like, if you don't feel like eating, make sure you get something in your system, Gatorade, some yeah. soup, broth, if you can't handle soup, you know, right. getting some of that, getting some of that salt and, and, and electrolytes in your system, help you deal with this pretty effectively. Yeah. Debbie chugged water, <clears throat> lots and lots and lots of water. And mm. I did the same leading up to it and post. So. Okay. And I know. don't know, I can't looking back, like, I didn't have the be- I didn't have an isolated um, lifestyle when COVID in February, mm-hmm. when you know it first came out. I had a friend move in, and you know, and so right. there's a chance I had it, but I, like I don't know. Like the doctor in December told me I had cancer, you know, and then checked in in February and said I had cancer. But then it turned out in March I didn't have cancer. But then in in you know. I didn't have cancer. <laughs> they didn't know right. what it was. They didn't know what it was. And it was just a swelling of the intestines, but my sugar mm. levels dropped that off. But now it could be because, you know, I'm feeling better overall. It ran its course. And I had a friend, Sherry, who had something in February. And then in April, got a call from the hospital and the hospital was like, wow, you had COVID. Like we didn't yeah. even know it existed yet. And you right. had it. And she's been dealing with the symptoms ever since, you know? And then, you know, one of the nice things too is what what they're finding out is is that people who are getting the shots afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, like especially people who have had long haulers, is is that they're finding that some of those symptoms are going away after people are getting vaccinated. So, you know, um, more research to be done on that, but preliminary signs are pretty good on that. My hope yeah. too is is that that's that's very much the case because my lungs uh, my lungs felt like about minus 10% after having COVID for a while. Yeah. And so they, they eventually came back to what full felt like, but mm-hmm. um, man, when I got that second shot, it just reminded me, it's like, Oh yeah, that was miserable. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it'll generally weaken your system, which, which starts your immune system kicking in. And like Devi knows, like, you know, with your lungs, she knows with her joints, me with my intestines, it's going to affect the weakest part of your body. And so Mm -hmm. if you, if you're, if you're sure of yourself and your health and you don't know about any underlying conditions, maybe you want to risk COVID, but that's just going to weaken your body for the next virus that attacks your, the weakest part of your body. So Mm -hmm. I, I honestly just think getting the vaccine is, 
is preparing for a future, a, a future planet that we're going to be living in. You know what I mean? Well, and, and, and there's a couple of things to think about too, is, is that number one, the, the, this, this idea that solely the people being affected are people with comorbidities just mm-hmm. isn't true. I mean, it, yes, it's mostly people with comorbidities. Absolutely. Sure. But there are also a lot of cases of people being perfectly healthy and not a problem to them. And they drop dead faster than people with comorbidities. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, whether or not you think your immune system can handle it, it's not about what you think. It's about yeah. the reality of, of the virus. And, and the yeah. virus is one of those things where you're either going to be just fine or you're going to have some problems and some of those problems might go away fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Some of them might take a while. Some of them might land you in the hospital with a tube down your throat and some of them might land you in a pine box. Yeah. So, and, and will willpower isn't the, the enemy of COVID. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you can't just no. say I'm not going to get it or I'm strong enough to will it away. And we don't know in 10 years why it's affecting people the way we why it is now but we will know in 10 years and mm-hmm. there could be there could be something in your brain that just everybody has a chemical imbalance and maybe if you have a low chemical that's going to affect you so it's like we don't know yet and even if you don't know you have a condition you don't know you have a condition yet just because there isn't tests for it doesn't mean it's not the reason for it you know and and, the, and that's the other thing is is like the 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 quote unquote condition has been everything from the like COVID has made people's hearts ba- give out. It's made yeah. people's lungs melt. It's just disintegrated internal yeah. organs of various Sw- sorts. Anything. Swelling the brain. Yeah. Yep. And and so it's it's not like it's not like oh well this person has diabetes so that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, for my for my mom who had COVID, you know, she got you know the typical loss of taste and smell and the crappy lungs. But because my mom had colon cancer Mm. once upon a time and had her gallbladder removed about 10 years ago, Mm. the residual side effects have been at those weak points. So even if you're completely healthy now, but have had problems in the past, like cancer and things Mm -hmm. like that, that's still a risk. And that's still something that you have to look at. And doctors in the field have come, you know, been compiling a bunch of anecdotal anecdotal evidence that people who've had problems with specific things in the past, when they get COVID, it attacks those weak points. Right. Exactly. So, so trust me, you know, I have all the willpower in the world, but I know the, the, reality of my lungs for the mm-hmm. last 25 30 years has been that i got limited lung capacity because of asthma and while i'm perfectly healthy most days and sometimes i have to use my inhaler because my allergies get particularly bad or it's also sports induced and so if i'm working my butt off really hard sometimes i got to take a puff yeah you know, it's under control and, and I'm, you know, moderately healthy, need to lose some weight, obviously, but, but the reality is, is, is that despite everything that you can do to make yourself better, it's still going to attack those things. And, and this idea of, oh, well, the virus doesn't kill you. Like, like we talked about with Dan, you know, the virus weakens your system severely that allows in all these other secondary infections like, right. Uh, you know, we don't quite understand why it's attacking things the way that it is or what's happening to your immune system. And thus you're getting attacked at these weak points. We just, I mean, we don't, we haven't had enough time. We don't know. But generally your immune system, the white blood cells, they all go to your weak points, the the points of pain, the points like, like Debbie's joints. I had a, I had a partner like that too, that the joints just from allergies would just swell up and seize up Mm -hmm. because that's the weak point that the, everything's going to fight the problem there and it's just causing problems. And Sherry has a weakened immune system. And so Mm -hmm. she's, she's already prone to other infections really easily. And now her long hauler syndrome is a continuing worsening of other infections easily 
getting in and attacking, you know what I mean? But she just sees it as an advancement of what was normal. And mm-hmm. now it's just, but you know, she'll tell me every couple months, I can't believe what's going on. And she'll tell me the symptoms, which are kind of personal. And I'm like, I always want to say like, Oh, that sounds like you have long haulers, like uh, attached with what you're going, what mm-hmm. you were going through, you know? Absolutely. That's absolutely the case, <clears throat> you know? And, and that's one of the things I think, you know, people have really failed to take into account is, is that, yeah. you know, it's the long haulers syndrome is, is, is not pleasant. It's going to wreak havoc on your body one way or another. It's either going to be a mild annoyance or you're going to have some severe issues to deal with. Yeah. But what a lot of people have failed to really think about is, is that the number of people who've had, you know, pretty bad cases of COVID that are, you know, surviving, you know, the question is, is are they going to end up on disability for the rest of their lives? Yeah. And as someone who knows what disability looks like, <laughs> Uh, on your end you can definitely tell us what does that mean for the average person you know what Mm. does working versus being on disability look like it's it's just nobody's thinking about it yet so it's a system that's constantly being cut to fund other things and Mm -hmm. that's all it is i have a friend caitlin she's 28 she earns 900 dollars a month i have a friend um she's 21 she gets 500 dollars a month and that's because they haven't put in enough into the system. So that's the base. And then Medicare, I mean, it pays the total of right now, $3,000 for drugs, doctor visits, tests, and one test costing $1,500, one MRI, you're kind of in your donut hole. And then you're paying full price until they start paying 75% again. So it's just, it's not a great system. And just on that topic. So I, the ways the I don't know, our our the Ways and Means Committee in the House of Representatives oversees the SSI and disability um, policies and regulations and all that. And so what I did was I found all of the people on the Ways and Means Committee. I made a tweet and put all of their names in it so that people could tweet them. And then I added all of their Twitter handles and phone numbers for their Washington offices underneath that tweet. So the Ways and Means Committee is the ones that we need to talk to and we need to tell our stories to those people and calling them and letting them know your story is going to help them because they're just reacting to the calls that they get. And if most of the calls they're getting are from radical points of view, then they're going to skew radical. I just learned this from somebody that actually does that. I was listening to a podcast and that's all they do. And then they type up, you know, after Mm -hmm. the week, all of the issues and how many and the percent and who cares most. And so if we're not talking about it, then it's never going to be done. So I, I started out and making, making phone calls to these people and just telling them I want to get them on the record is what they're going to do and try and get them on the show. You know what I mean? And I just need other people. Other people need to do this too, because Mm -hmm. if I'm just one voice, I look like an asshole, (laughs) but if there's more of us, Mm -hmm. then I look normal. You know what I mean? Like I made a tweet that said, dear mayor, please, stop killing black people. If another black person is killed under your watch, I will have to promote and support your, your opposition, you know, and Mm -hmm. I tagged my mayor in it. And by the way, my mayor just instituted a mental health uh, response team in addition to the police. So that, but that was a lucky, lucky coincidence, but I'm the only Mm -hmm. one that put my mayor on there. And so now instead of us being a big group that nobody can like look at, it's just my mayor that's suddenly researching who the hell I am and how he can get back at me if he wants to, you know what I mean? You know, and, and that's, and I mean, that's just the reality of it is, is that when it comes to like, you know, social security and, and disability, 
but you have to go to the federal level with that. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do at your local right. level unless your local level is investigating something like its own Medicare for all system. Washington has actually right. started to look into that possibility. Right, which One is the- why it's more important to fix it. And because my friend gets this confused, Medicaid is state level, Medicare is federal level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so like Medicaid, uh, Medicaid is slightly better most of the time than Medicare. Uh, that said, it's still woefully underfunded most of the mm. time. Yeah. And and to me, it's one of those things where like, I don't mind the idea of states coming up with their own solutions uh, at a statewide level. I mean, one of the things that we just have to empirically look at is, is that while America does have some of the best care available. Mm-hmm. It is also the most expensive care available. You yeah. know, there's a reason why medical tourism exists. And we hear all of these, you know, whoa, whoa stories about, you know, oh, you don't want to go to all these other places. I had a friend that literally went and got, I think it was a, it was either a hip or a knee replacement. And it cost them less to stay in Spain for four weeks getting their hip replaced mm-hmm. and physical therapy and being on vacation there than it would have to gotten to get their hip replaced in the United States. Yeah. I've got friends who have, who were pretty much crippled at this point, like, you know, couldn't walk. They, they right. were once runners. They went to Germany <clears throat> and they got disc replacement surgery in Germany because it's not approved in the U S and they are back to running marathons. That's awesome. And it was cheaper than doing a spinal fusion fusion surgery in the United States, literally replacing the discs in your back. Yeah. So, so the idea that the idea that, you know, uh, our, our system is functioning properly is completely uh inadequate well i think it might be functioning the way um it's functioning the the way it's designed yeah the way the executives designed it and lobbied for because when you have a issue um your first thought is financial insecurity it's never about bodily security like it's never about your health it's always about what this is going to cost and that's horrible to think about. And it always mm-hmm. ends up, it always ends up to where insurance wants to push you faster than you are able because it, the cost analysis. And then mm-hmm. suddenly there comes a point where they're like, well, here it is. And you're like, well, you tapped me out already. And they're like, well, then you have to make a choice. Do you need this? Do you want to go in debt for this? You know, or we're not going to give it to you. We're not going to give you what you need to finish off and secure your happiness, you know, and health because you can't afford it. So when you can afford it, come back. And that leads to a deterioration, which means you're back at the starting level. Uh, And it's, it's just weird to me that we're all just accepting that. You know, it's the way that you have to look at body maintenance is the way that you would have to look at a car's maintenance. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, you can, you can keep running your car without doing an oil change, but you're eventually going to have to buy a new car because you're going to blow the engine or you're going to end up, or if it's any, any other part, you're, you're just going to see this continual wear until it doesn't function anymore. Mm-hmm. The human body is much the same way. If you don't do the maintenance on it, i.e. like, you know, start with some, you know, start with blood draws, start with a, an annual physical. But if you have other issues, mm. you have to fix the issue. You can't just mask the symptoms. Right. Masking the symptoms doesn't fix the issue. And that's one of the things that we've kind of found ourselves in because masking the system, uh, masking the symptoms is cheaper than fixing the problem. Yeah. And, but the, in, uh, in that's, that's the, that's just short-term analysis is what that is. Long-term analysis is if, if you fix the problem, you might be down for a couple of months, but then you're back to being a productive member of society who's paying insurance premiums, who's blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 Right. You know, down, you know, or you just keep falling down off of that slope until you're constantly sick mm-hmm. and constantly in debt and you're constantly on, you know, the system 
and you're never going to get out of it. And that in and of itself is absolutely horrible, mm-hmm. so, which is why, you know, at least in this country, when I say that there has to be a, a massive change in the way that healthcare is approached, what I mean is, is that it has to take a, a centered solution on finding the problem and fixing the problem, because in the long run, it is cheaper and more and, and more efficient to fix the problem in terms of a capital gain. If you're if you're going to be a capitalist about it, be an actual capitalist about it. Fix the problem, get somebody back to work and making you money and paying your salary. Yeah. Because that's that's the, that's really what it. If you're going to do that route, do that route. Like actually fix the problem, actually get people back to work, and ha- being productive members of society. But Otherwise, that's gonna that's gonna short their um, quarterly profits, and that's and and that is where things are at currently. Uh, otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to bitch about a bunch of socialists wanting to take advantage of the system. But the problem is, is that they can't get better, so they can't get off the system. So what you have is a bunch of socialists on the system. <laughs> so right. like it's you're literally you're creating the problem that you swear you hate, and and so it's like it, the irony of that is always funny to me. Is is that well, if yeah. you're going to bitch about socialists and people taking advantage of the system? You need to start with the, well, who's on the system to begin with and why are they on the system? If it's yes. medical, fix the fucking medical problem. Right. If you don't want people on the system, figure out why they're on the system and actually fix the problem. Otherwise, don't be surprised when you have a bunch of people who are socialist because the they system. literally have no choice. Yeah. And You've left them with no choice but to be socialist. And that's, that is the irony of it is, is that they, they think that, you know, they have made capitalism so great that they have this choice, but the people who are literally stuck on the system have no choice but to be stuck in a socialist system. It's and, like getting and it's run a, over time and time again. Yeah. And it's the system that they created. And that's the funny part about it is that they don't see that. <laughs> Well, here's the interesting thing. The young socialists are like Medicare for all and the moderates are like, yeah, but this system is kind of weak. And the Republicans are like, and we're cutting the fuck out of it. And the progressives are like, no, dump people on it. And the moderates are like, you can't take it. And Republicans are like, nope, we want them to die. And the socialists are like, hey, put everybody in. You got to fix the the system. (laughs) The people that are on Medicare are like, yo, bro, 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 bro. No, 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 no. You don't want this. Please. No, 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 no. Right. I, I tweeted that. I was like, if you're going to put everybody on Medicare, then you need to fix Medicare. And I got like hundreds of likes just on that alone because people on the system know, like mm-hmm. my friend, I had an interview Friday. It's a podcast on inspirations beyond disabilities with my friend, Ezrek, who has an eye condition, which has 15 variants. And out of those 15 variants, there's research that's proving that he can get genetic injections in his cornea to reverse some of the effects and give him better quality of care. So he went to his doctor, his doctor said, gave him the test. The test was positive. He said, yes, you can get this. He applied for it. The doctor applied for it. Medicare, Medicaid, New York Medicaid said, yep, we're going to do this. And then dragged their feet for two years on the paperwork. Yep, and then right. finally, finally, Ezra called his doctor and said, what am I supposed to do? And the doctor said, it's your insurance. What are we supposed to do? So Ezra, smart guy that he is, called the drug manufacturer and said, hey, I qualify for this and I'm not getting it, you know, and they took care of it in two days. They called because they need the research. That's why they're putting people in the studies like this is to get the research. And if nobody qualifies and nobody's going to be on it. Right. So there's this combination of it's way too expensive because it's way too new. And then there's this combination of we don't pay enough. And then there's the doctor saying you need this. And so it's not a, it's not a quality of life thing or it is a quality of life thing. It's not life or death, but it makes the difference. My friend, Caitlin had diabetes. She lost her eyesight. She went to the doctor. The doctor gave her a laser surgery. She opened her eyes. She could see colors. She could see patterns on shirts. And you know what her first thought was? What if I get kicked off of my, my insurance? I'm not good enough to drive, but I'm not bad enough to, he might leave me in this realm of not legally blind, but not 
seeing well enough. And that's mm. what people are worried about. Esrik is worried about the insurance. I was worried about my insurance getting me test strips for a fucking blood sugar monitor. And that's the problem is, and I, I could go on and on about the issues with this stuff. You know what I mean? Even with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, they should be a non factor if you can't Mm. provide the care that you say you're going to provide get out of the game of providing it to us just say we don't we don't insure people that make less than two hundred and fifty thousand a year you know what i mean because then we can make other plans but you keep making it seem like you have all the answers and you're going to cover me until it comes time when I need coverage. And then you're like, Oh yeah, we covered you except for that, you know? And that's the problem with the system. We're being lied to. And Trump's plan was to just make it a la carte, like guess what you're going to get next and just get covered on that. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's a horrible people in the system. Give a fuck doctors, nurses, they mm-hmm. care and they they love meeting people like this because it furthers their education and their knowing and their knowledge for the next person. But insurance is just it's it's defeating us. It's just it's and, it's bad. And that's and that's why like the conversation that we've had is you know how that we've had that I've had with others is is that <clears throat> as much as I hate the binary, because right now what we're on is I would call the third option, which is this insurance riddled bureaucracy riddled system that takes a bunch of money but provides little care so if so if that's the route that we're going to go then basically you're just going to keep wasting money on insurance companies and administrative fees federal government and federal administrative fees Mm -hmm. and you the person who's actually needing care who's had to talk to probably 60 people in order to you know get one test strip you know prescription approved right right the the just approving just being able to buy the test strips you know if you had had either a social uh, an entire socialized system or even if like we talked about with the cash-based hsa system right Either way, either one of those ways would have been quicker and cheaper than the current bureaucracy that exists. And while, you know, one of the things that I've talked about with several people, you know, who look at all of these socialized systems and and socialized medical systems is is that, you know, for us, for who we are, we we don't own a system of doctors because they're not technically government employees. So when you look at the cost structure, because I worked as a data analyst in a hospital system. Well, I love you this. Have a, you have a lot of cost structures that people don't tend to think about. So for example, right now, one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest cost centers for hospitals is malpractice insurance. When I tell you that it eats up a metric fuck ton of the budget mm-hmm. or an imperial fuck ton of the budget doesn't matter metric or imperial it is still just a massive amount yep so with with that massive amount of the budget that is completely taking taken up by malpractice insurance you know that's that is one piece of the puzzle that's expanding your costs so how do you deal with that cost well unfortunately this is where my hsa system idea falls apart in that these people are still going to have to have that level of coverage, but in a cash-based system, because you're getting that money turned around faster, their fees are cheaper. That means that they're able to pay things out a lot faster. Money today is a lot better than money 120 to 150 days from now, because that's the reality under the current uh, insurance system. Or under the socialized medicine system, doctors are government employees and therefore they fall under the purview of the government. And if you know anything about suing the government, it's damn near impossible. But that here's the thing. If you, if a doctor commits malpractice, Mm -hmm. then you sue him to make yourself whole again. And so that's the, 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 that's the problem is that money isn't going to make you whole. You're going to use that money to go to a doctor and pay him to make you whole. So it's just a transfer of funds. The issue, it's an, it's an issue. Here's the issue. The issue is an insurance company says to everybody, the max 
the max coverage will give you is $500,000. But then they rate the prices get raised so that you're just slightly out of that range and you'll end up paying out of pocket at some point. And then the insurance companies say, well, you need more coverage. We will offer you 75,000. But then the costs get raised maybe mm-hmm. by this malpractice insurance, raising the cost of malpractice insurance while you're raising the premiums for people. And then you're just slightly out of range and everything costs slightly more. And now we're in this perpetual cycle of every quarter, they're raising the premium and raising the cost so that it balances out so that the executive is getting a bonus for the profits he's getting from malpractice insurance, as well as the bonus from the out-of-pocket expenses. Because other people can't afford the 75000 I can afford the 3000 But the prices are still based on somebody being covered mm. for the 75000 So, So with that, with that particular cost structure, that is, that is something that is, is very difficult to actually deal with. Unless there is a, a just a grand shift in how malpractice is treated, or how or the burden of being able to sue doctors for malpractice, and that's that's just the reality. Is because you know we live in a country where anybody can sue anybody. If I wanted to, Jason, I could walk down to the Thurston County Courthouse tomorrow and file a lawsuit against you for God knows whatever. Now, it's stupid on my part because it's going to cost me a bunch of money. I'm going to lose whatever case I decided to file against you. Mm. I'm probably going to have to pay attorney's fees. But in the end, that still costs you. Right, but you're, my, my... And you're not going to be made whole by that, and that's and and when you right. look at malpractice, that's a lot of the times that's what's happening too. Is is that it's you know there are plenty of cases in which doctors are not listening to their patients. There are plenty of cases where doctors are doing things that are counterproductive, and and very few cases where they're actually for malicious. Sure. malicious. For, for sure. But there a vast majority of cases are people are expecting a, a, a particular outcome that when you when the doctor says, I don't know that this is possible, but we'll give it a go. Right. You know, you've got people filing wrongful death suits on people who are 80, 85, getting mm-hmm. risky heart procedures done. And it's like, Look at eighty eighty five. I mean, I don't know that this is actually going to work. And right. and and as somebody who's had family members that have done that, you know, we prepare ourselves for that eventuality that the surgery is going to fail. But for a lot of people that end up filing suits, it's just like, well, they said my dad was going to be better. It's like he's eighty five, man, and a quadruple right. bypass on anybody is a fucking tax, and let alone on somebody at that age. There's a perception, I think, that that's happened where people, something happens like that, and their first thought is, I'm going to be rich. And it's mm-hmm. not, I'm going to be made whole. And I know a lot of people that have won those suits and not mm-hmm. fixed the problem and bought yes. a new house and a new car. And then suddenly they're broke and they still have the condition. That you being, nope. made, being made whole might be a panel to choose a better doctor and plan for you. Instead of giving you money, it should be, okay, well, here's this panel of 12 people that have researched it. Like that's what they do when a, a stroke victim comes in, 10, vic- mm-hmm. 10 doctors come in, they, they create a health plan and then submit that. And it's cost free. And everything, your, your, your pills, your transportations, everything, you should not have to pay out of pocket for anything to be made whole again, but it isn't worked on those stroke programs doing the data analysis on it. Um, And that's, and one of the cool things about, about that level of care is, is that, you know, you're actually taking the approach of let's actually get this person fixed. And that's right. And, 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 and once again, you know, we can bitch about all of these different aspects of it, you know, it boils down to get a person fixed. So, so, so malpractice insurance, the biggest cost center, we know that right next, next uh, on the agenda are, this is always a fun one, prescription drug coverage. And unfortunately for all of my capitalist friends out there who are going to be like, Oh, we need a system of competition. We've talked about this before when you have, you know, let's say I want to say it's like 11,000 hospitals across the country and you have four drug manufacturers. The, the ability to sway price 
is mm. not in the hands of the 11,000 hospitals. And, it is and, in the hands of the four drug manufacturers. And the five drug distributors. Yep. So so the reality is, is, is that there is no competition. You have a, essentially a cartel. Right. Yes. And, and and even though they're not even though they're not supposedly yeah there's no coordinating proof of collusion right and coordinating their their decisions we're not stupid the prices keep going up and it's they're going up at rates that it's not you know the cost of manufacturing them isn't going up that fucking fast no I'm, i may have been born at night but it wasn't last night nine hundred dollars for insulin is ridiculous when it costs 25 cents to make and i i mentioned this on inspirations beyond disabilities does anybody remember walgreens saying holy cow covid is horrible it's affecting people people uh, 11 21 million people at its height we're out of work we're gonna lower our our costs and make a little less on this no no, Walgreens, CVS, they didn't lower their drug prices because there was an epidemic. They kept their prices the same. And I would consider that price gouging. It, you know, that's, and unfortunately, I wouldn't. I consider it fucking immoral. <laughs> but well, yeah, capitalism at its finest. Yeah, you know, and, and the, you know, and what we've come to learn uh, in all of this is, is that, you know, all these different moratoriums and freezes and price reductions, this all could have been done before, but mm-hmm. yeah. it's easier to keep people bent over the table and getting railed. Yeah, because they're always looking for a way to squeeze another penny out of you. You know and, what I mean? And so when you when you realize that there are 11,000 hospital systems, essentially, mm-hmm. and they're, they are up against four pharma manufacturers and five distributors, Right. This this idea of competition doesn't actually exist in the way that you want it to exist. Because your large hospital systems are going to get better prices because they have better volume. In the rural health system where I worked, we worked on getting smaller hospital systems together to purchase as a large hospital system. But does and that lower the cost? Does yes, that lower it did. the cost? Or it do they did. just base their profits on the average? It, it did. Lo- it lowers the cost for the average person. Absolutely. I can tell yeah. you that as someone who has done the data analysis on I it. I like that then. It does work. But the idea that it's going to work in a way that is as effective as you want it to is not a reality because when you look at what other socialized countries have, why their prescription drug uh, prices are what they are, it's because you have four manufacturers, five distributors, and one purchasing agent, and that is the government of the country. Right. So the competition is now what it actually should be. You have these companies saying, hey, buy my product. We're going to give you the best price we can, and they're competing against each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our system, you have 11,000 hospitals competing against each other and four drug companies. So that, you know, it's competition, but it is like competition to see who can get fucked right. the least when you don't want to get fucked. You don't, you don't want to pay my rates. I'll go to the hospital right next door because they're for profit. And that's the problem. Lowering drug costs is like McDonald's lowering their food costs. The price is always going to be 99 cents for that burger, but they're going to try and make it for five cents. And so that's the problem with a force for profit hospital who a lot of the hospitals are owned by just a few groups. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. you can get the price down for into 99 cents for insulin, but the national, if everybody else is paying $900, then the hospital still can make a profit at 700 and say, Hey, we're lowering the cost for you. And, and, and so that's where you have this, you know, this reality where as much as I like less government involvement, there's the reality of the situation is, is if you want competition, that's actually going to lower drug prices. Mm-hmm you have to use the federal government of the United States as the purchasing agent. But that brings and me- those and those companies now have to actually compete to be the ones supplying the product. But that brings us to my major issue with the healthcare system and that's administrative costs. <laughs> you know, Dude, our co- administrative cost- costs right now are fucking nuts because yeah, the have, cost of filing the, the paperwork system. Right. The, you have you have the insurance company, you have the drug companies, you yeah. have your state companies, the bureaucracy of it all. Oh, and so including and this is a, this is something credit to you. If you include the federal government and you're just throwing 
money at administrative costs for the government as opposed to the hospital system. It's it's just a transfer of wealth. It's not really eliminating a cost. So you need mm-hmm. to fix the system, the bureaucracy of Medicare and Social Security before you introduce anything like that. You know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so so the reality is, is that if you want competition that's actually going to lower drug prices, you have to unify somewhere mm-hmm. in, in, in to make it so that these drug companies actually have to compete in order to be the supplier. Right. Or you just end up doing like what a lot of people are doing and they're buying their drugs from Canada and you're hearing politicians go, oh, well, we don't know what the quality is like in these third world countries. Canada is not a fucking third world country, you fucks. It's like, I'm sorry that your political donations are going to get a little tighter this year, you douchebag. And you remember NAFTA? I do remember NAFTA. Do you remember um, Donald Trump negotiating a new NAFTA? Yep, USMCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what that was? That was Mexico, Canada, and America coming to a a decision on prescription prices um, written by the prescription, the medical, the pharmaceutical companies. That's who wrote it. So it just became three different prices in three different countries to we're eventually going to level off to one price overall. And it might lower the United States a bit, but it's going to raise it for Canada and Mexico. Yeah. You know, and <coughs> this is, this is one of those things like the, the idea that some people have on what capitalism looks like. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it's functioning the way that, you know, I would say predatory capitalism is supposed to function. Hmm. You know, these companies are literally preying on the fact that all of these smaller systems are never going to be able to figure out how the fuck places like <laughs> Canada right. and the UK and Germany and Norway and Sweden get small, you know, get this such low drug prices. Right. But the, the, here's the thing is capitalism works. Capitalism is the system. The problem is the government intervention in it. It's the government juicing it for one side and not the other. They, the subsidies for oil. You know what I mean? Like the it's subsidies these, for oil, the subsidies for right, pharma, the, the subsidies the lack for of Amazon and Walmart. And, eliminating regulations for Wall Street. You know, and it's so mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's It's not fair competition. Not because of capitalism, but because of government intervention. I mean, look at look at the responses that you saw with just the GameStop. Yeah. You know, a bunch of a bunch of fucking plebs on the internet on Reddit figured mm-hmm. out how to completely turn the system on its head. And rather than saying, "Hey, you know," a bunch of individuals figured out how <laughs> they could make the system work for them. Everybody on fucking Wall Street mm-hmm. and in the Capitol went, you know, we should probably look into how we can make sure that these fucking piss ants can't ever do that again. Right. Yeah. And it's just absolutely insane. But that's the problem is if I want, if I need something as a disabled person and I go talk to Joe Manchin and I have nothing to offer except a request, he doesn't really have to do it. Like, okay, here's the perfect example corporations came out like 200 of them right and said we don't like voter suppression laws do not do it but the chamber of commerce um, uh, the the group that all of these people are in that lobbies the the congress is saying no we're lobbying for these laws we're we're lobbying to to not pass the mm-hmm. the law on the that <laughs> they want to pass hr1 and so that's the problem, isn't it? Right there is that I have nothing to offer as a person saying I need help, but they can talk out of both sides of their face and come up mm. with a shirt that says, yes, we support you, but then pays a guy a million dollars to not. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And that's exactly it. You know, yeah. the, the companies that have flat out said, yeah, we support it or no, we don't. It's like, you got to look at the record of who they're using to lobby for their, their cause. Right. Well, now, now those corporations actually got a letter from a group saying you need to leave the Chamber of Commerce, or we're going to assume that you do, in fact, support that. And I mean, the one company I know that has been mentioned is Target. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's 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 one of the that's one of the rough ones is is that 
you know, the idea that, you know, these companies aren't going to continue to lobby for their best interests is, you know, completely misguided. But the idea that they're going to leave an organization that is largely lobbying for them is also misguided. That's misguided. It's it's the political lip service that is mm-hmm. that is the system is is that I'm gonna yeah. tell you I'm gonna do one thing and I'm gonna stand out there. It's it's no different than when you know in post murder of George Floyd you saw a bunch of cops go out there and kneel with protesters and everybody's like yay this is so wholesome and then later that yeah. night they're dressed up in riot shields and beating people and I'm like right what did you expect to happen here. It's yeah. like, and one action doesn't make the system all better. I mean, you're you're seeing it still play out. Trump's gone. He's out of office. He's doing whatever moronic stuff he's doing, yeah. and the Democrats are acting like this is all better. Hooray! We fixed the problem. And meanwhile, we've gone from kids in cages to children into overflow facilities. Right. And we've gone from. Uh, you know, no more war, no more endless wars to fuck it. Let's bomb Syria, uh, again. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But then you also have the hilarity of a group of people who have been protesting us being at war in Iraq and Afghanistan for 20 years. Now that Biden's like, yeah, we're going to pull out of Afghanistan. This has clearly been a fucking failure. Right. And you have those people that have protested being there going now, hold on. What are we going to do if... Let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to let me open up this playbook from about 50 years ago. It's going to look like Vietnam. It is going to look almost exactly like Vietnam. We have literally thrown time materials and bodies at this. Mm-hmm. Some of our own, some that aren't. Right. A lot that aren't. But it, when Trump wanted to pull out, the liberals were all like, no, you can't do that. But then biden says we're pulling out and all the republicans are like what no you can't do that (laughs) and that's and it's like and it's like look yeah i don't know what in the fuck you're on but if if uh the answer is get out of an endless war get out of an endless war you know clearly this has not worked that's right and there's nothing we're going to do that's actually going to change this i mean for god's sakes biden went to uh w and obama and both were like yeah fuck this get out of it Mm -hmm. well the thing is i think people are worried about and i've heard this is that what about the people that are affected by our absence and actually the answer to that is just refugee programs around the world i all we did with vietnam that's what i'm i'm a believer that if you don't want to live in that country you should be able to go to a country you want to live in i believe north korea should be just like North Korea. If they want to be North Korea, they can be North Korea. But I think they shouldn't keep their people prisoner in that if they don't want to be there. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that everybody would leave North Korea because it's North Korea. Maybe. Or you might get some new people in there that like it. But that's that's the same thing with, like, China. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like the, the Uyghurs are – they follow Islam. They don't follow whatever – jainism or whatever whatever the, the chinese secular, people they're, they're secular they, so, no religion period in the story so and that's the problem is the uyghurs caused a threat so people put them they're in re-education programs now like and so and yeah. i that was one of my topics that's why i'm segueing to it is that people are calling that a genocide when i think it's a crime against humanity and i know we're splitting hairs here but that brings me to the thought of you know what would make a real big difference is if Joe Biden said our treatment of the American Indians, and I'm not calling it indigenous because Mexicans are indigenous to the United States 170 years ago. So if if he if he called our treatment of them genocide, and mm-hmm. if if not killing a bunch of people is a crime against humanity and just enslaving them and putting them in, in camps and slowly killing them as they escape is a crime against humanity. Wouldn't that, what we would be calling our treatment of African Americans. And until we own up to that stuff, I don't think we have any real moral high ground in saying Armenia was a genocide. (laughs) It shouldn't matter what we say after what we did until we own up to what we did. No, I think I think that's I think you're partly right on that, and the reason I would disagree with you on the on 
the Uyghurs uh, genocide is that it, it isn't. I would say that it is a genocide because the documents that have been coming from inside of China is, is that it, there is a systemic rape in order to quote unquote breed the Uyghur out of them. There's a systemic oh. murder to get rid of people, a systemic destruction of their homes and their culture and a systemic uh, destruction sure. of, of their, their places of worship and life simply because they are, we, I would call it a genocide. It, it genocide. fits the text. It fits the textbook definition of genocide. Okay. I always thought of genocide as murder and a crime against humanity as other you know what i mean well i mean when it comes to genocide it's not just murder um genocide is also um uh, there's a sexual aspect to it as well like Hmm. um what you'll see uh, if you look it up and you're looking at cultural destruction it's what you're seeing is no different than what nazi germany did to the jewish population that is the the textbook example isn't it but then are we worried about the taliban committing crimes and genocides once we leave to the women of the area isn't that why we're that why we're there to prevent that while we create a new system, a new government for them that can prevent that themselves? Because the Afghanistan people are the same people. It's just you're looking at different religious sects, essentially, right. and you're looking at uh, so one wanting to be more modernized, one not. It right. does not fall into the textbook version of genocide because like, they believe that they are one people. It would be like, that would be like if, if what we call the the civil war as a genocide, it's the same people, it's the same people. And it wasn't that we were trying to eliminate them. So that's kind of like what the U S is right now is that half the the Democrats claim they want to move forward and be more enlightened and more, um, new, you know, but the Republicans are a older religion that are like no we want we want to be like the taliban here and suppress you a little more you know that's interesting that was just a spontaneous thought by the way and then and so then you have the reality of what the united states has done with with uh uh the the native american peoples uh the first Mm -hmm. peoples and um the reality is is that nazi germany based their entire program off of what we did Yes, our eugenic, right? <laughs> our reservation system, our treatment and destruction, uh, our murder, literally, yeah. you know, everything that we did to that, that the United States government did to the Native American population is textbook genocide. Yeah. Because it was, it was murder. It was the idea that you would, you would breed the Native American out of them. It was yes. systemic destruction of their culture. Uh, and literally just straight up murdering them just because right it 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 fits textbook genocide and the fact of the matter is is that it makes it easier to recognize the armenian genocide because well it's half a world away and we don't have to confront anything that we didn't do right whereas if you tell somebody to actually confront what we did here ooh, and and the left and the right both go Ooh, what, but I don't want to have to touch that. That feels icky. Well, it should feel icky it because right. it is, it's terrible. It's fucking awful. It's a third rail and you're going to have to watch and walk your words, not knowing what enlightenment is until you get there. But we need to, we need to address that. I think, you know what I mean? To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will 
have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take it and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.